So Money episode 130, Stacey Francis. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Such an honor to have you joining me on the show. I know you've got a lot of different podcasts to choose from, and you've decided to spend some time with us here today. And today's guest, I'm so excited because I feel as though she is someone who, for me, has been a guiding light in this world of finance. She is our financial planner in the Tarabi Dusinger household. And I've talked about her on the show many times. And so I thought, naturally, let's bring her on because people must have some curiosity around who this person is and also want to hear about her insights and her takes on managing money well. Her name is Stacy Francis. I'm honored to introduce her as our guest today. She is the founder and CEO of Francis Financial, a holistic fee-only financial planning and wealth management boutique here in New York. She is a nationally recognized financial expert and obviously a certified financial planner. She comes with over 18 years of experience in the industry. She's also a certified divorce financial analyst, as that is something more and more people are in need of. She is a media maven as well. She's been everywhere from NBC to CNN, PBS. She's been contributing to over 100 publications from Investment News to The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times. Stacey's also received numerous awards, including the Heart of Financial Planning Award from the Financial Planning Association. And uh, CNN Money Magazine also listed her as a national money hero. And she is my money hero. Many takeaways from our interview with Stacy, including the most popular objection she receives from prospective clients. How to know if you would be well off working with a robo-advisor as opposed to one-on-one with a real-life advisor. And the biggest mistake she made with her money. Here is the lovely, the talented, the wise Stacy Francis. Stacey Francis, welcome to the show. Wonderful to have you. It's great to be here, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for managing my money so well, Stacey. I, you know, for listeners, I know that they're they're very curious about this whole financial planning world, how it works to work with a financial planner, the different types of planners that are out there. You know, do I work with a fee-only planner or, you know, someone at a brokerage house? Um and, you know, the, the answer is there's someone for everyone out there. You just have to kind of do your homework and do your interviews and, and really test this person based on not just what they know, but also the personality. You know, if you do like this person and if you mm-hmm. don't, maybe that's a good sign to move elsewhere. Um, how do you educate people on this particular topic? I'm sure you get this asked a lot. How do I know when I'm ready to work with a planner? And then what do I do from there? What's the first step? Great question. Um, You're ready to work with a planner when you find that 
all the resources that you can find on the web. You've read the books, you've read the articles um, in different places, and you find yourself still having a lot of questions, um, in particular for new questions such as, well, what does this really mean for me? And if you're one of those people where you're not getting the answers to all of those important questions that you have about your finances, um, you definitely could be ready to work with a, a planner. What's the biggest objection you hear or have experienced from clients or prospective clients like who think that they don't need to work with a planner that they have this in they have some kind of story in their head about what it means to work with a planner they don't like it and they don't want to work with a planner what do you think is the biggest objection you know the biggest objection that i see is that i don't have enough money mm-hmm. um a lot of people feel like you you need to be a millionaire before you work with a planner well what I have to say is that there are all different types of planners that work with all different types of people in, in their lives. And it could be that even if you're not that millionaire yet, you need a planner to help you get on track to set your goals and start to achieve them to become that millionaire that you maybe want to be, um, whatever that goal might be. And people have actually asked me, how do I know how, how my planner gets compensated? And I just say, well, ask. And that should be part of the interview, right? <laughs> exactly. It needs to be part of the interview. I mean, can you imagine, you know, any other service that we use, not knowing how much you're going to pay? Like, I, I think about when you go shopping, you know, before you buy something, you look at the price tag, right? Can you imagine going into J. Crew or Ann Taylor or, you know, Brooks Brothers and, you know, going to the counter, not knowing what you're going to pay? <laughs> well, it's the same thing with a financial planner. You need to ask, how do you get paid? And, What's important is understanding what's the difference between fee only, fee based, commission. These are all different ways to get paid. And if you're not understanding how they get paid as they describe it to you, it's not your problem. It's not your fault. It's because they're not explaining clearly enough for you. We're in a world now where people can get financial advice virtually anywhere, whether it's Mm -hmm. good or bad is up for debate. But then now we also have companies that are creating online services where you can, for let's say $179, $250 a year, get access to a planner who will, you know, maybe work with you a couple hours a month or one hour a month. They're kind of coined these robo advisors Mm -hmm. where um, much of the information that's given to you is just given to you on the internet. It's virtual. There's no one-on-one. But then if you want to consult with someone that is available for an extra cost, what's your take on that? Because it seems like a lot of the industry is transitioning towards this like faster, democratized way to get people to get financial planning. It's interesting. I mean, robo-advisors is quite new. And the way that uh, a lot of a lot of people look at robo-advisors as how they originally looked at TurboTax years ago. So when TurboTax first hit the market, um, many accountants were worried that they would be out of business, that um, everybody would be using TurboTax. Well, what it's turned out to be, and and this is, I think, also what's going to be the case with robo-advisors, is that robo-advisors is going to be perfect for a certain group of people but not everyone. They're going to be perfect for the person who wants to be more involved with their finances or someone who is more of a do-it-yourselfer. They also are for the person who might have a very, very, very simple situation. 
which is not everybody. So if you're a person where you have a very, very simple, straightforward situation and you also are more of a do-it-yourselfer, you wouldn't you enjoy being part of this process um, of looking at your overall finances and being part of it, then robo-advisors might be best for you. Mm, yes. Well, I want to talk more about what you do, which is not robo-advising. You are very... Um you keep very close contact with your clients. We, my husband and I meet with you at least quarterly. Um, why did you want to become a financial advisor? And in this capacity, you know, a boutique wealth management firm, it's as opposed to working at, you know, one of many financial advisors at a house. Why did you transition to do this kind of work and, and the way that you do it? Good question. Um, you know, when I started this, the firm, and, and it was about 12 years ago, um, I really wanted to be working at a place where I could go home and feel like I changed someone's life. I knew that whatever profession I went in, I needed to feel like I was making a huge difference in someone's life. And so when I joined a, a bigger firm and I realized that, you know what, the difference I wanted to make it just wasn't going to be possible. And with that, did something that, you know, I look back and I still am amazed at the courage I had. You know, I started my own firm. I started my own firm when I was 27. And it has been an amazing process. And the fact that we've able to, been able to really work with clients going through transition um, has been even more powerful because it's going through transition, whether it is getting married, unfortunately, some people getting divorced and or losing a spouse are times when there's so much stress and being able to be there for a helping hand and giving them financial security is just unbelievably, unbelievably rewarding. And, uh, you know, there's so many different approaches to financial planning. What would you say is your kind of how you like to think is your approach that differentiates you from the world of planning out there? Good question. So wealth management um, is a, a, a word we see everywhere. And if you read the internet, you'll see it mentioned millions of times. Um, of the people who call themselves wealth managers, about 97% of uh, financial advisors consider themselves wealth, wealth managers and only about 6% really are. So what is a wealth manager? Well, we have a special definition of wealth management and wealth management for us equals investment consulting, which everybody does, right? Everybody will, will help you and advise you on your investments. But we also know that good wealth management includes both advanced planning, which I'll explain in a minute, as well as relationship management. That advanced planning is really key and it's helping you with wealth transfer, transferring money to the heirs, the people you care about, wealth protection, um, protecting your assets from being unjustly taken from you through a lawsuit or through taxes, wealth enhancement, making sure the money you have grows and works as hard as you are, and then charitable giving. Uh, many of our clients um, want to be known for something, and even if they're giving on a small scale, they want it to make a, a big difference. Um, and then finally, the relationship management, um, you know, we want to make sure that you're being taken care of in all the different areas. So that means working directly with your accountant, working directly with your estate planner. Um, that's really important so that you get your entire life 
financial life protected and addressed. And it's all under one roof, or it can be if you know mm-hmm. you, we work with the right people. Um, it, I love that, and and yeah, I, I hear from people too. One another objection I hear is, you know, well, I just want to make a return on my money. Mm-hmm. I don't need you know the full suite of services, but you kind of do. You know, people are short sighted in that. You know, they just kind of want to see that their portfolio is growing, and that is an important part of wealth management. Um, but like, we came to you thinking that that was kind of going to be the 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 centerpiece of the of the support because as I had had meetings with other financial planners that was what they were moving forward with you know like hey look at our Excel spreadsheets of all these returns and these pie charts and I was like okay that's uh, very sexy but you made it very clear to us that we actually had holes in our insurance plan we didn't have a wealth we didn't have an estate plan we didn't we you know there were all these other aspects that really form the foundation of a healthy financial life. It's not just the return on your retirement portfolio, although that's important too. Yeah, that that is important. Um, but, you know, as far as for your listeners, you know, things to be careful of. If you're working with a financial advisor and the first thing they do is whip out their returns, mm-hmm. um, you know, be careful because you you're hiring someone for more than just their returns because no one can guarantee returns. And, and if someone can, I I really would love to meet them because they, (laughs) they most likely should be on a private Island that they own in the Bahamas. Um, no one can guarantee that, but what you can guarantee is that you're going to do the best you possibly can for someone's risk tolerance and create for them a portfolio that bridges where they are now, where they want to go, with those steps in between that have to happen to make sure that they get to their goals. Um, so that's important. And, you know, there are some people that it is totally about returns. And for that, it, they might be more of robo-advisors. Mm-hmm. Again, that might be a good example, what they're looking for. Um, but most individuals have more complex lives, and it needs to be more than just just that piece. What's your financial philosophy, Stacey? One that guides your money management, but also maybe that you spread through your work as you help your clients? Good question. Um, Spend less than you make and then also save automatically. Um, My husband and I, we have a goal to try and save 20% of our pre-tax income. Now, guess what? We're not there yet. Right now, we're there at about 15%. And Typically, what we do is that we make sure that we save automatically. So on a monthly basis, we do not even see our paychecks. Money goes into savings and money goes into our bank account for the everyday spending. And what's important is that every time we get a raise, what we do, Farnoosh, is we don't give ourselves a raise. We have that piece that goes then automatically upping our overall spending, our overall savings. So it's a really easy way for us to slowly over time increase the percentage that we're saving without really feeling it and having to uh, change our standard of living. That's interesting because you, you hear a lot about keep an eye on keep track of the of your savings, like see it to believe it. But sometimes it helps to kind of know that it's happening, but don't get so obsessive about it and looking at it. Exactly. Um, I, I try and forget about it in the sense that, of course, I'm looking to see how we're doing and rebalancing. But um, what's more important, if you have a dollar amount you're trying to save on a monthly basis, 
go ahead and make sure that you're automatically putting that into your savings. And that way you feel less compelled to have to watch every single penny of what you spent on your Starbucks and then what you spent on the croissant later in the day. Um, I wish I had that capacity, but I, I typically don't. And so knowing that I'm hitting my savings goals, it gives me more peace of mind to spend the money I do have in the way that suits our family and what you know feels comfortable for us. Have you ever had a financial failure, Stacey? I mean, let's be honest. We've all yep. experienced some. What would you say is your biggest? You know, it's interesting. Um, we definitely had a financial failure. And it's not something I talk about a lot, but I think it's a lesson that teaches us all um, that we need to be smart with our money. My husband and I bought a beautiful condo in 2006. It was pre-construction. And by 2008, when it was completely finished, his compensation had been cut in half. Mm. So what was an apartment furnished that we could completely, totally afford was now a really big burden for us. And I will tell you that we made it, but it was extremely tough. And the big lesson I learned through that, through self-experience, bless, was live below your means. And we continue to do that so that no matter what happens, we are living below our means so that we have a cushion to fall back on and the amount that we have to pay for the important things, the things that you can't cut back on, like mortgage, rent, things like that, that we can really afford. And we actually made it so that we can afford it now, um, you know, essentially, even if one of us were to lose our job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when it comes to housing, although this wasn't your primary home, but you know, that monthly payment for most people, that's the biggest paycheck, the pay- biggest uh, bill that they're paying every month. So if you can diminish that as much as possible, I think that can directly correlate to more peace of mind. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's flip it. Your biggest so money moment, uh, a Stacey Francis success, financial success. You know, it's funny. I I have to say, I feel like it's right now, um, today. Uh, today is definitely my biggest success, my big biggest so money moment. Um, when you first start a firm, which was you know a little over twelve, well, actually almost now thirteen years ago. It was tough. Um, I wasn't able to pay myself as much as I wanted. In fact, I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but I paid my nanny more than I made, um, which makes absolutely no sense. But I knew that I was investing in myself and I knew I was investing in my future. And where I'm at today, I feel amazing because I am compensated the way I truly deserve now. I am so excited that not only do I get to do something that I absolutely adore and love, I feel like I'm making, I'm, I'm changing lives, I'm making a big difference, but I also get compensated in a way that I really truly deserve. And I just have to say for, you know, all the business owners out there, hurrah, that 
you can do it. You can have a dream. You can go after it and you can live a really rich and rewarding life. I'm able to give my kids unbelievable opportunities, opportunities I never had growing up. Um, you know, I'm not worried about money. Finally, I finally, you know, feel so comfortable and I'm so proud of where we're at. It's been a lot of hard work, um, and a lot of following my own advice that we give to clients, but it's truly been wonderful. So actually the big, so money moment is now. Yeah. Congratulations. Happy to be a part of the family as this is happening. Yeah. Uh, I think what you say is so true in also the fact that you didn't pay yourself a big salary starting out. I don't think that's unusual. I think that was very savvy. In fact, although, you know, looking back, maybe it was a hard, it was hard times, but yeah. it was because of that trade-off, right? That you were able to build a really successful business. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Hud. Um, all right. Habits, Stacey. You teach your clients good habits all the time. What's one that you incorporate in your own financial life? It, it's conscious. It may not be daily, yep. but it is conscious. You know, I realized that staying on top of the finances of our personal household, staying on the top finances of Francis Financial, and then also the charity that I founded uh, 12 years ago, Savvy Ladies, um, that I wasn't able to be as on top of it as I wanted to just because, I mean, my gosh, it took a ton of time. So I hired a really good bookkeeper. And once a week, I get a report for my personal household, where I'm spending my money, what bills are due. I get a household, I get a report on Francis Financial, as well as Savvy Ladies. And I study these reports to see everything as far as bills that need to be paid, income that's coming in, and how we're spending their money. And I have found that it's really important for me because I need to account for every dollar, whether it's you know running the charity, running the wealth management firm, or a personal household. It's really important for me to feel comfortable and sleep at night to know that I know where the money is going and that I'm spending money wisely. Yes. You know, it sounds like you really invest in the outsourcing, which is not uncommon on my show. A lot of successful, busy people, men and women, they they get the support they need. They're willing to put, you know, put money where uh, it's going to be it's going to pay them back in either time or peace of mind and sometimes Mm -hmm. more money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Let's have you finish some sentences for us, Stacey. It's my so money fill in the blank section. It's a chance to just be a little fun, laid back. Don't overthink this. If I won the lottery tomorrow, and I know you're not a fan of playing the lottery, but if I won it, let's just say a hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do is put 50 away for 50% away for uncle Sam. I hate having to pay taxes when it comes to the end of the year, uh, April 15th. And we've, you know, April 15th is, is always kind of a tough day for everybody. But for me, the first thing I do before I even dream about what I'm going to do with it, I'm going to give it to uncle Sam so I can feel comfortable with the rest. <laughs> That's a big chunk. I'm sure that yeah. you're going to get a little bit of a refund. Hopefully I better get a refund. I better get a refund. And I always <laughs> feel better with that than having to pay. Yeah. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? I have an amazing cleaner. And once a week, she comes in on a Saturday morning and I do it on purpose on a Saturday morning so that I can enjoy the house being pristine for the weekend. Now, in reality, unfortunately, by six o'clock on Saturday night, my children have their toys all strewn across the house. But there are those precious few hours that are magical where the house is clean and I feel like an amazing woman. 
Oh my gosh, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's those minutes really for us because we have a nine, 10 month old. Yes, so I know. It's just like, how does a little person create such havoc? I know. You I know, know, like we're. We're, and we're pretty laid back. Like we're not. I'm not. I, although I like a clean house. Like you know, I let toys in the living room and this. But it's like, why is the chair upside down? You know, like there's just, some things are <laughs> like it's a it's um it's funny. I gotta take pictures of that because that's probably pretty funny. Well, the my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is. Zappos. <laughs> Free <Fortnite>, shipping. <laughs> it is. And actually, I was talking to a lovely woman this morning saying, I wish Zappos didn't have such quick delivery. You know, I wish that Zappos didn't have that quick return. Um, I wish they didn't make it so easy because mm-hmm. they make it so easy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually typically don't have time to actually go in the store and go shopping. So uh, Zappos is my my biggest, biggest guilty pleasure. And don't you budge? I heard you once say that you bu- have a budget for shoes. I do. I have I, I typically go shopping twice a year, which I know sounds really crazy, um, but I have a budget and I get all of my suits uh, from eBay and they're typically designer DKNY, Chanel. And then I get my shoes typically from Zappos because they're really easy to to return. And it's really easy to stay within the budget because, again, I do it two times a year, typically right now, which I just did my Zappos and my eBay right now. And then I'll do it again in the fall. And it's great because I can keep my clothes because they're such good quality um, for a very long time. And it's really been wonderful. I feel great. And I don't feel like I'm shelling out an arm and a leg. And I should say, because you've told me this too, I think is a great tip. You buy things sometimes that are not in your size, sometimes two, three sizes bigger, but yep. then you invest in the tailoring. So sometimes you can get a deal, right? You get the deal on something that is not your size. You yep. wish it was in your size, but it's not. It's okay. Buy it and then spend money on a tailor, which is probably going to be even cheaper than you know buying it still at retail. Um, and, and that's something else that you do, which I think is really savvy. Yep. It's been great. And I'll buy a designer suit that's not in my size and have it tailored. And what's nice is it's tailored exactly to your body. Mm -hmm. And if something fits you well, you look like a million bucks. Yes. All right. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? Boy, I wish I had known much more about money growing up. I would, you know, I would say is that it's not scary. Um, money, numbers, math. I don't know if any other listeners feel this way too, but funny enough, I was the girl that never raised my hand in math. And here I am owning a financial planning firm. I never thought in a million years that I would be where I'm Mm -hmm. at. And I realized that the more you learn about money, the more you become empowered and the more you crave knowing about it because it's not scary. If anything, it's one of the best things you can do to be, make yourself feel better about yourself and better about your overall situation. Yeah. Someone was asking me today, is there a correlation between saving money and being mentally ha- mentally healthy? And I said, yes. You know, yeah. I mean, there's absolutely a correlation. I talk to people all the time who have struggled with a fear of scarcity or uh, just, you know, depression even. And a lot of times the, the, the common denominator is a lack of money in their life or an yep. inability to manage it well. Yeah. Yep. yep. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? 
I give to Savvy Ladies, and um, that is a charity that is is my entire life, my entire life. I started the charity 12 years ago to empower women through financial education. I started in honor of my, my grandmother, and she was a very special woman who unfortunately did not feel empowered about money, and so she stayed in an awful awful abusive marriage her whole life and it was because of money and so for me um, I've given more money than I ever thought I could really afford to the charity but it's something that is so important to me because I just I don't want other women to not have the options that they deserve and part of that is financial security financial peace of mind so that's something that's really important and it's actually our whole family are is committed to it my husband my kids we all volunteer and we also it's where we give um so much of our money wonderful it's a great organization and last but not least i'm stacy francis and i'm so money because you know i'm so money because i'm making a difference and i really couldn't be happier I really couldn't be happier. Well, congratulations, Stacey, on the success of your firm. We're very lucky to be with you and the team. And uh, we will be putting all of your information over at SoMoneyPodcast.com so people can find you. Have a great day and congrats. Well, thank you, Farnoosh. I think the world of you and thank you for all your support too. My pleasure. That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Stacy, please check out her website, francisfinancial.com. She's also on Twitter at Francis Finance. We have all this information at somoneypodcast.com. There are also the transcript and the comments from this episode. And there also you can click on Ask Farnoosh and ask me a question. It's that simple. Getting to me is just one click away. I answer all of your questions on the weekends. Uh, and so if you've got a question about money, about work, about life, and if you you'd like a free 15-minute consultation with me. Every week, I select one new reviewer from iTunes to receive this freebie. So if you want to connect with me and you want to enter to win, hop onto iTunes, leave a review. And every Saturday, I select one new reviewer to get that freebie. It might be you. So if you're interested in that, please check out iTunes, leave a review, and I thank you in advance. And thank you all for listening. I hope this was a productive uh, 30 minutes with us, and I hope your day is so money. So money.